John chapter 13 is a very unusual description of what happened at the night of the Last Supper. That's what's happening here. This is that time frame. It's the, it's the Lord's table. That's what's happening. Now, if you'll notice that Tuesday night, we looked at three of the four Gospels in, re- in the record of what Jesus said at the breaking of bread and at the giving out of the cup. And we looked at a couple of different things. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three record the actual events of the Lord's table. John chapter 12 does not record the events but it records His teachings, and it records His prayer, and it records His actions. And so this chapter brings us up to a 24-hour period. So this chapter, 13, to, if I'm not mistaken, uh, up to, if I'm not mistaken, up to chapter 20 or 19, covers a 24-hour period. And so we are literally in the last day of Jesus' earthly ministry. So let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God now that we've laid a little groundwork. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening and we're grateful for the opportunity that we can study your word and we can learn more about Jesus and we can learn more about the love and grace and mercy that's bestowed upon us as sinners. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would speak through your word. I pray that you'd open hearts and minds to receive what's being taught, what's being preached, and I pray that you'd remove all distractions. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would Show us your will. Teach us the example that you're showing us here in this passage that we may apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for loving us. In Christ's name, amen 
and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. So what we have here, we all know, is often used as an example for servant leadership. And we're going to look at that at the end. I'm going to try to be brief. I want us to update our prayer list together tonight, so be prepared for that. Uh, I'm going to try my best to be brief, but I want us to notice a few things as we go verse by verse in this chapter. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus, what's that word? Verse number 1, chapter 13, follow along. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come. Now we see this phrase, knew, knowing, uh, and knew, three different times in these first 17 verses. I find that interesting because we're going to see, as we begin this chapter, the first set into the 24 hours prior to Jesus' death, what He knew, what He understood. And so I want us to notice from verse number one, point number one, he understood his time. He understood his time. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew, knew what? That his hour was come. What hour? That he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. What did Jesus know? What did he understand? His hour was at hand. Remember all throughout, and we're not going to take the time to run these gospel passages, but remember all throughout the gospels we see instances where they sought to kill Jesus. They sought to stone Jesus. And what was it that we saw? His hour was not yet come. Well, chapter 13 and verse 1 teaches us what that hour was. He knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world Unto the Father. What hour is that? That's the hour of His death. I want us to pay attention very briefly and quickly to this hour. It was the hour of His death, burial, and resurrection. And what, starting in these first 17 verses, did Jesus accomplish in His last hours here on earth? And some of these are going to be repetitious with the points tonight because it's imperative that we learn this because later we're going to see that it was an example that Jesus instructed His disciples and by proxy us that we are to accomplish. Notice in the last hours, we see first in His last hours, He's serving. He's serving. In his last hours, he's serving. What does he do? He riseth up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. When did this occur? After supper. What supper is that referring to? The Lord's Supper. It's the Passover. The Last Supper together where He instituted and taught the disciples, although they didn't understand at that time, and we recognize that from the writings of Paul to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that there was some confusion on this area of the Lord's Supper, and so they didn't quite understand. They thought they were just partaking of the Passover to remember Egypt and to remember the blood of that lamb and the death angel. That's what they thought they were doing, but Jesus was instituting an ordinance, that ordinance of the Passover, the Last Supper. Amen. And what was He doing after He instituted this ordinance? He served. The Creator of the universe got down on His hands and knees 
and he washed the feet of his disciples. Not only did he spend his last hours serving, but he spent his last hours teaching, as we see in the latter parts of this passage in verse 10. He that is washed needeth not to uh, save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. And what did he start doing? He started to teach them. Ye call me Master, verse 13, and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. So he spent his last hours serving. He spent his last hours teaching. And he spent his last hours loving. Loving his disciples. Notice verse 1. The last part of the verse, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Jesus Christ loved his disciples. He loved them so much that he was willing to spend his last hours with them. He knew what was going to happen. Jump ahead just a few chapters and what do we see? Look at the other gospel accounts of the crucifixion of Christ, the arrest in the garden. What do we see? Peter denies him. The other disciples have fled and forsaken Him. Jesus is quite literally all alone. And yet, prior to all of this, with His knowing, understanding His time, He spent His last hours loving people. Notice, not only did He understand His time, but He understood His title. Number two, He understood His title. Look at verse number three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from God and went to God. Now this is interesting because there are some who would say, well, Jesus isn't God in the flesh. He never even professed to be. Well, we know that's not true from our prior study. And as we get into chapter 14, we'll see that famous passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we know that Jesus knew that He, and at least preached and taught, that He was God in the flesh. But there are also some that said, well, Jesus lived this life, but He didn't know that He was God in the flesh. He didn't know that he was God and took on flesh almost like he had some kind of spiritual amnesia and had no idea until he was upon the tree but John chapter 13 and verse 3 tells us something a little different Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. What is it that Jesus knew? Well, you know the passage, John chapter 1. Let's look at it. John chapter 1. And verse number 1, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse... Let's jump down to verse number... Let's look at verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is Jesus Christ? He's the Word. We know from this passage, He's the light in the darkness. And we understand from Scripture that Jesus knew this. He knew exactly who He was. Look at chapter 14. We've already read it, or we've already quoted it, but verse number 6... John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus knew who He was. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Who is that? It's Jesus Christ. That's what we read. That's what we learn from the prior verses. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church. Who's the head of the body, the church? Jesus. That's who we're still talking about. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him, Him who? Him, Jesus, should all fullness dwell. Verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So what is it that Jesus recognized? He recognized that He was God in the flesh. He recognized He was the Word. He recognized that He was the light in the darkness. He also recognized that He was the Creator God in the flesh. And also, He was our reconciliation. And Jesus knew every bit of this. Understanding His title, Jesus knew who He was. And we notice in this same passage that we see the Creator of the universe, the Creator of all of glory, the Savior of the world, our reconciliation, He ministered instead of commanded. He ministered instead of commanded. Now, were there some teachings that Jesus commanded in His life? Absolutely. And in these last hours, He could have easily commanded the disciples on what to do. But instead, He started off by ministering to them. He ministered instead of commanded. He instructed instead of misled. You say, well, why would He even mislead? Well, if Jesus was just another man, knowing that He was going to die, I would suspect that if He like the rest of us here, he would try to put, manipulate his way out of it. Because that's exactly what flesh will do. Anything it can to save itself from trouble. Anything it can to keep itself preserved as long as possible. Do you, know, do you realize something in Scripture? Our goal in life is no longer self-preservation. That should not be our goal. Well, I want to make sure I live and survive. Well, well what about when... What about when the tides are turned and it's no longer legal to gather together and to preach the Word like we do? What then? Will you still follow self-preservation or will you follow Jesus Christ who gave His life for you? Self-preservation for a Christian, it's always about Christ. That's why Colossians 1 says that He should have the preeminence. So He instructed instead of misled and then He cared instead of despised. He cared instead of despised. He washed the disciples' feet. He loved them to the end. He could have easily despised His creation 
for what they were about to do to him. He could have easily stopped everything at any point in his life and said, you know what? We'll start over. We'll erase everything. And I'm just going to start from scratch. New heaven, new earth, new garden of Eden, new angels, new seraphims, new cherubims, new everything. I'm starting over. He could have easily done that. But he didn't. Why? Because he cared. He cared for us instead of despised us. And then third, we notice... Look up at verse number 11. And this is what perplexes me. Because I would not be so caring. I would not be so kind and so loving if I knew what Jesus knew. Look at verse 11. He knew who should betray Him. He knew who should betray Him. Not only did He understand His time, not only did He understand His title, He understood His traitor. He understood His traitor. He knew who should betray Him. Turn with me to John chapter 6. Let's look there briefly. John chapter 6. Now this wasn't new information for Jesus that Judas was getting ready to betray Him. John chapter 6, look at verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. He knew their hearts. If you continue to read through the rest of John 6, if you'll remember, there were many, many that left. Verse 66, now I'm not a big numerology guy. I'm just not. I know that certain numbers mean things. I don't know what they all are. I don't get into that because people try to use that to predict things and things of that nature. And I don't believe that's why God gave us the Word of God was to predict through numbers. Amen? But I don't find it a coincidence that it's John chapter 6 and verse 66, 6, 6, 6, where we read from that time, many, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. I don't think that's a coincidence. Amen? Now go back to verse 64. Let's finish it. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. From the beginning of what? From the time they started following Him as disciples. You think the twelve were the only ones that followed Jesus? No, there were some 77 plus disciples on top of the twelve that followed Him everywhere until this point in His ministry. And then many of them left. Beginning, He knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and the last part of verse 64, who should betray Him. Jesus knew all the way back in chapter 6. Jesus knew from the very beginning that Judas was going to betray Him. That's why He said He knew who should betray Him. Therefore said He, ye are not all clean. This is one of the strangest actions, in my opinion. This is my opinion. This is one of the strangest actions of the Savior. Because He knew who would be His betrayer. And what did He just finish doing? Washing His feet. He washed the feet of every disciple that was there. Judas was still there. 
We'll see that in the next part of this uh, gospel uh, text as we, when we get into uh, verse number 27. And notice, Satan hadn't entered into him yet. Hadn't entered into Judas yet. That's in verse 27, Satan entered into him. Verse 3, or verse 2, the devil had placed in Judas' heart the seed of betrayal. He had put into his heart to betray him. That's what verse 2 is. Jesus knew all the way back in chapter 6 who would betray Him. Here, when supper had ended, the devil had placed the betrayal seed into the heart of Judas. And what did Jesus do? He washed His feet. He understood His time, He understood His title, and He understood His traitor. Why? Because Jesus was trying to teach us something. Notice the last portion, verse, verse 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so am I. Now, verses 13 through 17 is the answer to the end of verse 7. What I do thou knowest not now, right at this moment, but thou shalt know when, hereafter. Peter, when I'm done, you're going to know what I'm doing. When I'm done, I'm going to tell you what I just did. And that's exactly what he did. He washed their feet, and then notice, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now there are a lot of people that take that passage and take it because it happened immediately after the, the, the Last Supper and that institution uh, or that ordinance that was instituted for us. A lot of people, when they have the Lord's table, they also have foot washings. How many of you know churches that have foot washings? Amen. Now is that a bad thing for them to do? Not necessarily, but is it an ordinance? No. How do we know that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul establishes what we are to do at the Lord's table. Amen. And foot washing ain't in there anywhere. Amen? I just like to use that good English every once in a while. <laughs> it's not in there. Why? Because it's not part of the ordinance. Well, Jesus did it here. Yes, but let's notice. Verse 15 tells us why. I have given you a what? An example that ye should do as I have done to you. Barely, barely, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. So what is Jesus doing? He's giving an example to His disciples on how they're to serve. He, the Creator of the universe, the God of glory, bowed down and washed the feet, and He got down before His disciples, and He ministered in, unto them. So, very quickly, four applications how we can serve like Jesus served. Number one, number one we see in verse 4, He riseth from supper and laid aside His garments. What did He do? Number one, we recognize that service takes effort. Service takes effort. What did Jesus do in verse number 4? He riseth from supper. I, I have to venture to say that we probably live in the laziest age in all of history as Americans. And I don't mean, oh, generational people, millennials. No, no, no. All of us. We live in a very lazy age. From the oldest to the youngest. It's just the way we are. Why? We want things now. My foot hurts. I don't want to do anything. My stomach hurts. I don't want to go anywhere. 
I got a small headache. I don't want to go to work. I call in. I'm stressed. I got to take three months leave. You see what I'm saying? We're a lazy generation. We are a lazy nation in general. That's just how we are. But Jesus shows us that in order to serve people, it takes effort. Now, he just finished eating. A lot of us, when we finish eating, boy, we like to take a little siesta, amen? Take a little nap. For some people, they finish eating, what do you got to do? You got to sit back and you got to let everything kind of settle. Most likely because we've eaten too much. I, but we're not going to get into that, amen? But what did he do? He riseth from supper. It took effort to serve. Friend, it takes effort to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. It takes hard work. It takes effort. Brother Don and Brother Chris, uh, a little birdie came. Brother Mike and Miss Pat were in desperate need of a ramp. They had two steps and Miss Pat struggles to, to get up those steps. Well, I didn't know this. I mean, hey, can I help you with something, church? Don't get mad at me. You won't tell me. Amen? Can, 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 we just, can we all amen that? If we don't know as a church, how can we help? Amen. Well, Pastor didn't come visit me in the hospital. Well, who told me? Amen? Who told me you were in the hospital? And I don't mean, well, I'm away from the hospital, Pastor. No, 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 no. If you want me to come visit you, or you want us to be able to pray for you, you got to let us know your needs. That's why we have a prayer list. Amen? And don't think, hey, li- and, and, hey I'm going I'm go- rant. Beth told me I chopped everybody Sunday about being here early and, and sitting up closer. Well, I've got everybody sitting up closer, but not everybody was here at 10 till. So uh, obviously I didn't chide enough. Amen. But uh, uh, here's one of those things that we have to understand. Us keeping our problems to ourselves is not a lack of complaining or, or it's not rather it, it's not avoiding complaining. What it is, is it's pride. We don't want to tell other people what we're going through. And a lot of people use that. Well, I don't want to complain, so I don't want to tell people. Well, how can we bear one another's burdens? How how can Brother Grant know to pray for Brother Don if Brother Don's not willing to let us know? He needs prayer. Amen? Amen. How is that supposed to work? Well, I don't have any prayer requests. Well, that's okay. Your life is perfect. Wonderful. Amen? We've got to learn to carry one another's burdens. All of that falls under service. And it's going to take effort. It's going to take some effort. This year, we're going to be serving. We're going to be serving each other. We're going to be serving one another. We're not just, look, church isn't a place to come and sit down and hear somebody talk for an hour or two hours and then leave and go home and feel better about yourself because you went to church. That's not what church is for. Church is the place, according to Hebrews, where we, as individuals, not just the deacons, not just the Sunday school teachers, but all of us as individuals are required to minister, serve every other person that's here in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to start doing that. We need to start serving one another. It's going to take some effort. Not going to be easy. Don't feel like doing it all the time. Do you think I feel like preaching every Sunday and Wednesday? Absolutely not. I'm human too. There's some times when I look out and I go, I can't believe I studied for 15 hours for three people to be here. But you know what? Then the Spirit comes in and goes, that's flesh, that's not me. And then I go, forgive me, Lord. Amen. (laughs) Forgive me. Please help me. Because the best of men are men at best. It's going to take some effort. We're going to have to work 
to serve. Then notice, number two, he riseth up. Number two, he laid aside garment and he girded himself. There's preparation. In order to serve, you have to initiate effort and then you have to prepare yourself for service. You have to prepare yourself for service. What did Jesus do? Now, let me ask you a question. Could Jesus have said, Hey, John, bring me that towel over there. Here, Peter, take my garment. Yeah, he could have, but what did he say to him? He laid it aside, and he got the towel, and he girded himself. Why? Because Jesus was self-sufficient in ministry. He didn't need someone holding his hand to accomplish the service that he was going to accomplish. That's the same way we are to be. We're supposed to be able to serve, and we're supposed to be able to put forth the effort. And if that's the case, then we need to make sure that we're prepared. If we gather together, for example, to go out and to invite people to church, maybe we go to a, a venue and we want to hand out tracts, you need to be prepared. What, how do we prepare? Well, we can lay aside the garment of the world, first of all. We could take up the towel of the Holy Spirit, so to speak, using that tongue-in-cheek. We always have the Holy Spirit with us. And we could prepare ourselves. Maybe wake up a little earlier and pray for that day as we go out that God would put one person in our path, that He put someone in our path that we could minister to that day as we go out as a church family. Maybe we're going to gather together. Maybe the teenagers are going to gather. And maybe we're going to do a day where we go to a, 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 some, one of your houses and rake leaves. You know what we could do? We could be prepared. We could be prepared. How do we prepare? Well, we could be spiritually prepared. Obviously, we're going to bring rakes. Amen. Obviously, we're going to be dressed appropriately, but we need to be prepared. We need to be praying. God, please help us to be a blessing. Try to help them in areas where we take for granted every day that we have the health to do so. That's what we could prepare ourselves. Amen. So there's preparation. Number three, verse 16. Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. What do we see? Humility. Humility. So we see effort, preparation, and humility. You want to know why a lot of people have a problem serving? Because they're prideful. Well, I'm, I'm too good to unclog a toilet at the church. That's, that's not what I do. I fill in the blank. Whatever. Take up the offering. Amen. That's my job. That's all I'm doing. Now, I don't know that we have those attitudes here. I don't believe we do. Amen? But this is where we're at in the text. So we're going to preach this. Amen? But we need to have humility. I would say we may not have those attitudes, but all of us struggle with humility. All of us struggle with humility. I amen? All of us. Pride cometh before a what? Fall. You want to fail in ministry? You want to fail as a church? then allow pride to reign in your life. We need to be humble. Jesus humbled Himself. And then fourth and finally it took obedience. Verse 17. If ye know these things, what things? These examples, this servant leadership model that we see in John chapter 13. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye what? Do them. But if you know these things and you don't do them, then what are we? Unhappy. You say, well, that's not what it says. Yes, it is. Happy are ye if you do them. How do you have happiness? Doing what God teaches and tells us to do. Look at James. We're going to end at James. James chapter 1. 
James chapter 1. Look at verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 25. Whoso looketh, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be what? Blessed in his deeds. Not, not a forgetful hearer, which is 99.9% of Christians alive today. We come to church, we read our Bible, but we don't remember anything we learned last week. We don't remember anything we learned three weeks ago. Do you have to remember every point? No, but there ought to be something, something that sticks out to you from the Word of God anytime it's open that we can take and apply to our lives Amen. to make us more like Jesus. He that continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. You know, we did a study on prayer three years ago. It's hard to believe it's been three years since we studied prayer together. I think we did it during the summer season. And we learned that sometimes we miss out on blessings because we don't ask for them. We have not because we ask not. Here we learn sometimes we miss out on blessings because we're not doing the work of Christ. We hear it. Amen, preacher. All right, yeah, I, I believe you. I agree with you. And then Monday rolls around and there's no application. We're the same person we were 10 years ago. You know, some people take pride in that. I've not changed in 10 years. Why not? Are you telling me that 10 years ago you reached Christian perfection? You're like Christ? I wouldn't gloat in that. I'd do a heart, search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to be doers of the work. Amen? Amen. We need to learn that it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some preparation. It's going to require some humility. And we're going to do so because 